All right. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Why? Why are you're, you laughing at me? Because you're extra chippery. Am I? Yes, I don't know oh, what's going on. it's because I just made a really good joke about I you. I, I like roasted you good. I wish I could have done it on the podcast. She's so proud of herself. She's like, I got him. <laughs> I got him. It was good. It was good. You look beautiful as always. Thank is you. Is this a rental? Is this a, I have no, it? No, this is, I've worn this one on the podcast before. Have you? So we're, now yeah. we're repeating outfits. Yeah, no, we're not. I saw on the, one of the comments, was it last week or the week before? Someone was like, she looks difficult. <laughs> Oh, dude, I love that comment. I read that. I read that comment. I'm like, fuck yes, she is. I'm like, I mean, I know. But that's I my am. fault. But what Can is we talk it about, about that? my physical features that like she looks difficult? It, I, I, I mean, you have that. Um, like I told you, you always get a ticket. Like if, if a cop oh, sees her, yeah. if a cop pulls her over and she's in her car looking like her with her handbag, they're like, this bitch needs to be taught a lesson. <laughs> It's very clear that nobody tells her no. I never get away with a ticket. Ever. You do. Like, you get away with tickets a lot. I look like a good human. Like, like police. Yeah, but at the same time, we had something Phil just told me, because we're having issues with my car, so Phil was sweet, and he dropped me off, and then he's going to go check my, get my tire checked. But um, Phil told me today when he was driving me to the studio, he said that... Um, they when the delivery driver made the delivery for the thing last week that you're signing the paperwork and he doesn't realize you're the owner of the house that he was like talking. Oh, he was about talking you. all kinds of shit. He was. <laughs> I'm, I'm over there with my chanclas and 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 my you know the way the I tank dress. Top. My tank top, right? And I'm helping him unload. We had, we bought a um a backup generator because Texas has been hitting, been hit hard with with power outages. So we bought this big old uh, generator. Um, big shout out to John uh, in our neighborhood for for making that happen, but he needed help getting it off the truck. So I show up, me and Phil show up, and we're like, you know, trying to get it off. And he's like, "These rich people, man, you know, you know how these rich people are." And you know, then we open my garage, and he sees like the the stuff on the floor, and he's like, "Oh, of course, this rich guy's got the fancy garage." And you know, I guess this rich guy. I mean, everything was rich guy this and rich guy that, and I'm like, "Man, I'm the rich guy." Well, Renee's the rich guy, but. <laughs> but again, this goes back to the conversation we had, where like, I, I don't, I, I've grown in in in, you know, the stuff like that used to bother me, and I, I probably would have been like, well, it still happens to you a lot. That we happens would, all like, the time. Go into a place to buy something or to make a purchase, and you or go to a restaurant, and they don't want to give you a table, or they don't like. No one will ask you if you need help the entire time you're walking yeah. around. I'm like, if you only knew, he was the biggest impulse shopper ever. I buy all this shit, like. especially for my wife. <laughs> but no, but it, you know, and, and I, I would say that that several years ago, it it used to bug me. Yeah, you know, like I mean, it. I would say, sixty percent of the time, when I get in, when they go, okay, group one, for the for the seating for the plane, uh-huh. and I walk up. Most of the time, they're like, "Sir, this is first class." Like sixty percent of the time. Like, I was gonna it, like, say that one still happens to you a lot, and that one does kind of bug you when people just like cut you off because they assume oh, there's no. Yeah, way or they'll, they'll, they'll jump in front of me, and then I'm like, uh, "Excuse me," and they're like, "This is Group One," and I'm like, "Yeah, bitch, I'm Group One." <laughs> like, yes, but but I don't want to change that. Like, I don't I don't think I ever want to be the guy that that people go, "Oh, that looks difficult," like yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I. It doesn't bother me. It used to bother me, you know. Yeah. And it, it used to bug me. And you know, I, I went in to buy a, a cowboy hat, and I, I, I knew what I wanted, 
And I went in there and I go, I go, uh, can I see that hat? And the dude, you know, and, and I always know because they give you this look. They give you the, like, they look at you up and down. like They legit scan you. Yeah, like, you know, and, and it was something I, I've always wanted. I wanted it. And I said, uh, can I see it? And he goes, uh, sir, do you know how much this hat is? And I go, yes, I'm aware. And he's like, okay, like, here it is. And then he told me the price. And I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. And then I go, I'll take it. And he goes, sir, here's the price. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then he goes, he goes, well, before I shape it, you have to pay for it. And I go, okay, like, no problem. Yeah. And the person I was with was offended for me. And they were like, do you know that he's a comedian? I'm like, like, I'll just go pay for it. Like, yeah. like it doesn't, it, 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 you know, maybe a few years ago, I, I probably would have been like, you know, hey, dude, fuck off or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. It just doesn't bother me. I mean, I know what I look like. I get it. <laughs> you know, as Adrian laughs, like I, I, I know what I look like. So, you know, and and, and, and and to be completely honest, and I think everybody does this. I judge people, too. Yeah. By the way that they're dressed or I mean, I have learned not to. I was going to say, do you know, like knowing you dress the way you do? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, they always say that, like, you're the opposite. You like judge people if they wear fancy shoes. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? You're a grown man, dude. Why are you wearing those? Why are there rhinestones um, on your loafers? But I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know how we ended up here. But um, you are super chippery and happy, and that makes me happy. Oh, thank um, you. I am, I am happy to get back into my physical fitness. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe actually I'm in a good mood because I got on the scale and it was a couple pounds lighter. So that always puts me in a good mood. That's what's crazy. Like I, I know that if I work out and I eat well, that I will feel better. I know that. Yeah. It makes me feel better. I feel great. I feel better about myself. No, I want to eat the food I want to eat. I know, but sometimes I like, you know, I, I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to work out. or But these damn allergies have had me like yeah, kind of lethargic. I mean, yeah, just yeah. kind of not moving fast and um, just kind of out of it. Yeah. You know, but. But I feel like the getting a good sweat on helps with the allergies because it like flushes all the snot out. Oh, uh, it, absolutely. Like just sweating. And like getting your body moving, yeah. Just I I, just, I feel great this morning. You know, I, I had my my jujitsu lesson uh, today for an hour, and, and I know that you did your um, Peloton. Yeah. Are you getting people following you on Peloton? No, uh, no. I mean, I have like my my girlfriends. I've got a girlfriend. Somebody Jessica stole Houston, and I got Captain Jen. Evil. Oh, that's right, Lori. When Lori was like, because it was a surprise gift when y'all tried to set it up for me. Somebody else, some bitch. Captain Eva was taken. So it's I am Renee with an A, or it's not I am. It's Renee with an A. Renee with an A. Renee with an A. But then, so so follow her her and beat her. So if people know it's me, because you can put a hashtag under your name, I put Team Captain Evil. So people like they know they know know, if you know me, you know you know that that's her. Yeah. Um, I, I you know I don't think we can go through this podcast without talking about. My friend Joe Coy and the Golden Globes. Oh, I, I knew. If I we know Rick. I, I can't that. see Rick's face right now, but I knew that he was like, "Are we going to talk about the dying Golden to hear? Well, he's dying. He's dying to hear." I, I look. I I did. I did the Pole Star Awards. I feel, I already feel uncomfortable about us talking about it because I I love Joe Coy. I love human him. being. Love Joe Coy. He is so warm. He is so friendly. He is so funny. He is so talented. He is all of those things. Well, you know, this week alone, comedians have broke the internet. So we will also talk about Cat Williams 
and him breaking the internet. But let's go back on, on both of them so that when people come to this podcast that they're getting more than just what my opinion is. So, okay. you know, Joe Coy and I have been friends for a very, very long time. Um, there was a point where I was very afraid to move to L.A. because of the level of talent that was there. Mm-hmm. Then there was a point where I was like, I'm just as good as these people. Like, I thought I was going to get to L.A. And I thought that I was going to be intimidated and that they were going to be amazing. Don't get me wrong. There were some amazing comics. Now, when you're in L.A., you're going on stage with Chris Rock and Dice Clay and... I mean, Seinfeld but it's also a numbers game. Sarah There's Silverman just at that and, time, more right. of them. But but you are you are competing and going on stage with the great ones. You know, Chris Tucker, uh, Chappelle. I mean, you you name it. Newcomers are with already successful sharing the Bill, same stage. Bill Burr, right? I mean, all these guys that were kind of ahead of us. But there was also a, a moment where I was like, "No, I'm good. Like, I am good. I go on stage now when when there's not." Um, you know, and I, I kill. I fucking kill in L.A. Yeah. I got standing ovations in the O.R., which is very, very hard to do. I'm good. So there was a moment where I was like, man, I'm I am good. For people who don't know, and the O.R. is the, the original, original room. room. At the it's like store. the smaller room, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, the there's three rooms. That's the middle room. The belly room's the smallest. The main room's the biggest. The O.R. is the everyday open. Right. Yeah. So. You know, I go to the Laugh Factory. I was very confident in my skills. And, and I also got to the point where I'm like, there's nobody at my level funnier than me. Yes, there's people above my level that are better comics. But I, I was feeling at that moment very strong. And we had a deal at the, at the Laugh Factory. And I go up and I annihilate. Yeah. And I leave the stage. My chest is popped out. Right. I, we all know I'm the king. All right. Everybody knows I'm the king. I, you know, I came in here and killed. Then Joe Coy walks up uh-huh. and for the first time in a very long time, I had never met him, didn't know who he was. He fucking annihilated. And I was like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Like I find, I, I then got a feeling of maybe I'm wrong. Maybe here I am with my chest popped out thinking that I'm the man. And then there's this fucking guy. Yeah. Right. And I remember watching his set. He absolutely annihilated and then the funny part is that, you know, the uh, Laugh Factory has like an upstairs hangout. Mm-hmm. Joe comes running up and he goes, dude, who the fuck are you? And I go, I was wondering who the fuck you are. <laughs> right. So we had a mutual like respect for each other. Like, I didn't know. Yeah. you. It was like it was like uh, and I'm going to get shit on for this, but it, it was like Michael Jordan meeting LeBron or Michael Jordan meeting Kobe. Right. It was like, yeah. oh, my God, I didn't know you existed. And, yeah. you know, and we became instant friends. Yeah. And, and that's what I loved about Joe is that that there are times in my career where we were competing because we're all competing. Well, I was going to say, I feel like having, you know, watched your career grow. I feel like you and Joe, there was a, a moment there when we lived in L.A. where you guys had very similar career stories yes. in the beginning. But 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 either either <clears throat> you see somebody that's great. I've never been this way. And they immediately don't like you. Right. That well, other com- you feel threatened. The other comedian feels threatened. They don't like me. Fuck that guy. I'm not going to talk to him. That was not the case for Joe. Yeah. Joe immediately was like, we're bros. We're friends. You're amazing. I'm amazing. Wow. So every time we ran into each other, it was a mutual respect. Yeah. Um, which I also found 
Joe had gone on and started to blow up. In a, actually, I, I watched me and a bunch of comedians watch Joe Coy kill it on the Tonight Show at the Comedy Store. We put it on uh, over the bar, and we all watched Joe. And I remember thinking, "Oh, he's gonna blow up." Yeah, he had such an amazing set. I go, "This guy's gonna fucking blow up," um, which he did, right? Yeah. Well, he had already blown up, but I had already made a name for myself at the Comedy Store, right? And the Comedy Store was my home. Comedy Store, very, very intimidating, very hard to hang out. If yeah. you are not a Comedy Store person, it feels very uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. And people are ruthless there. Ruthless. Like, they will is, rip you a new one. It is very, very, especially back then. Yeah. Right? The culture has changed. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm uh, sure. But back then it was, you're not a comedy store guy. Get the fuck out of here. Joe had already started doing very, very well for himself. Joe came to the comedy store to hang out, and I saw the deer in the headlights. I saw Joe Coy looking around, very uncomfortable, thinking to himself, did I make a mistake? Why am I at the comedy store? He sees me and immediately gets comfortable. Yeah. And at that time, um, the roast battle was a big deal. And everybody was clamoring to hang out in the belly room to see the roast battle. And I go, Joe, come with me. And he's like. Because for people who don't know, before the roast battle ended up on TV, but it started there as an idea in the comedy store, right? Yeah, it was a thing at the comedy store, the roast battle. Um, and Joe was very intimidated to, to walk in there. And I'm like, dude, you're with me. Come on. Right. So I, I walked Joe in and, and Joe and it was just so cool because Joe, in my opinion, was already doing big things. And Coy was like, hey, man, like, thank you for welcoming me and thank you for bringing me into. I felt unco- I wouldn't have done this by myself. Yeah, I would have probably stayed out. and I wouldn't have gone in. Right. Had a moment. Um, and then Joe has gone on to do his thing. I've gone on to do my thing. Uh, Joe has done a lot of things on his own and produce his own specials like me. Yeah. Um, we now share a manager. Yeah. So now Joe and I have reconnected and re became kind of chummy again. Yeah. Uh, there was a point in time where I did no longer had his cell phone number. Yeah. I have it now. All right. I have to say one of my favorite things when we went to um, la- this past summer, when we went to Gabriel Iglesias' birthday party, seeing you and Joe joke together and banter and just like giggle like oh two little God, kids dude. was probably my one of my highlights of the night the two of you just like watching two very funny talented guys Riffing, go back and forth, making fun like, of people and they were inside jokes too like yeah. that was the thing they were such inside I mean, we jokes. had people so we so had good. our little group of people that were at the bar with me and joe coy just freaking rolling on the ground and joe and, and that's another thing that, that joe is a very um you know, you hang out with some celebrities or some famous people uh-huh. or some big comedians where they have to control everything uh-huh. and they have to be the leader because they're the bigger comedian. Joe was not like is not like that. Yeah. You know, me and Joe were back and forth. He respected me. I respected him. We're joking around. We're having a good time. I, I forgot about that. But it, that was yeah. a great. I mean, we probably spent an hour together drinking and just roasting everything and everybody. Yeah. Um. So when when I saw that that Joe was going to do the Golden Globes, two things came over me. One thing was, oh, my God, it is very possible for me, right? Like, this is a guy that's my friend. Yeah. This is a guy that has a very similar career path. This is a guy that, that I know very well, right? And he's hosting the freaking Golden Globes? Yeah. That's my freaking friend friend. Yeah. I have a lot of acquaintances. I know Kevin Hart. I know 
Chappelle. I know all these people. Yeah. But not like I know Joe. Right. And and the guys I just mentioned, they didn't come up with me. They didn't they weren't in the parking lot struggling with me. Yeah. They would are they were already succeeding. So I had a feeling of like, wow. Oh, and we have the same manager. And we have the same publicist. Yeah. Like, holy shit, Joe Coy's doing the freaking Golden Globes. I was laughing because my mom texted me. She she watched it. And mom, my mom kind of has the pulse on the entertainment industry and what's happening. So she'll say, like, you guys need to watch this or turn the TV on right now or whatever. But mom started texting me. And her text started with, when Steve hosts an award show, he needs to. And she's, like, <laughs> sending a checklist. She's telling me, telling me what to do. Um, but I had hosted the Polestar Awards, which is is not public or not videotaped televised televised horrible experience horrible experience you didn't do Um, horribly i did okay i was there i I did as good as i did as good as joe coy did and and, i mean it's a completely different kind of show and 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 a couple of things that i saw number one you know i don't think they wrote to joe's strengths I don't um, think there was time to write. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. he said he got this job ten days before it was filmed. So my question is, like, I want to know. I haven't heard. What is a typical timeline? How long does someone know they're hosting it? And isn't there usually like I feel like there's usually an announcement. Like you know when they start making commercials for the Golden right. Globes oh, or the Oscars, fast. who the host is. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to do it because it's it's scary now, right? Yeah, but. To my point is that Joe is a lot like me, right? I do not do jokes, right? Now, yeah. you take somebody like Jimmy Kimmel who has writers every single day. They write jokes for him. He goes out there and he reads his monologue and he's good at that. They know how to write for him. They and, know his voice. But, but there's also something to the skill of being able to tell other people's jokes, Ah, I see what you're saying. Right, there's okay. there's something to the skill of, hey, I'm going to write this joke about, you know, Rick or Adrian. Here's the joke, Steve. Tell it. Yeah, but It's can... not my joke, right? And I have to now tell it like a funny person. I'm not going to be able to tell it like a Jimmy Kimmel could. But you... Or a Johnny Carson. But... Or a Stephen Colbert. You can do it well when you have a team who knows the voice of whom they're writing no, for. You're I argue, also you're, felt you're, you're, like... You're arguing with me. You were wrong. No, I also felt like these writers didn't know Joe. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I am I am somebody who writes things in my head and I have to say them the way I say them. Yeah. And Joe is the same. Right? No matter whether you know you know me or not, you know, Brian helps me with my act. Brian gives me the idea. And and anytime Brian says, say it like this, it, it falls doesn't work. flat. It doesn't yeah. work. So what I'm telling you is that when you have somebody like Joe Coy, who is a very naturally funny comedian who know and, and also a storyteller. Remember, he's not a joke teller. He is a storyteller. Yeah. So when you put him on a stage to tell jokes, it's already hard. Yeah. He does not possess that skill. He doesn't practice that skill. I'm not saying that he can't get good at it, but it's very clearly written jokes. Yeah. Right. And and you could tell by the presenters that 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 Joe was trying to nail it. Joe was trying to say the joke the way it was written. To hit the the punchline. To to be a team player, to show that he has the ability to do this. The other thing I will say is that 
can Hollywood have a sense of humor? Can Hollywood, can Hollywood, nobody, nobody gave him a friendly face when he walked out there. I feel like the only person I saw smiling and they cut to her multiple times was Sarah Silverman. And, and um, uh, Martin Short. Yeah. Comics. The comics. But my thing is like, guys, you're performers. You already know how hard this is. Which, by the way, all of you actors that make movies and TV, how, nobody's there to judge you. And you can do it 25 times. They have no idea how hard it is to walk on stage yeah. and get a human reaction from people. And the fact that these are artists who didn't sympathize with that, that didn't at least go, man, I respect how hard this is. I'm going to smile. I'm going to give him a welcoming face. I'm going to clap when he asks to clap. Yeah. Right? So my thing is like, hey, Hollywood, you want to know why, why, why the general public in middle America doesn't like you? You're unlikable. You are unlikable. Yeah. Joe was up there trying. Joe was doing jokes that were written for him that were meant to be funny. I don't think he got political. He did not get um, egregious. He was not gross. No. He was not aggressive. But when he when they gave him absolutely nothing, yeah, it's like guys, you know Taylor Swift. I love her, man. I think she's amazing. She's an incredible talent. Taylor, can you smile? Can you give a thumbs up? Yeah, it wasn't a dick. It wasn't a dick move. It well, wasn't a, an aggressive joke. Did it I see that? Mean. Did I see that he apologized for the joke he made to Taylor? He he. I, from what or, I saw, is, I mean, he basically was like, "Look, it wasn't a joke at Taylor." It was a joke about the NFL. Right. right? That the That's NFL, exactly that, what it was. That the NFL, you know, shoots Taylor constantly at an NFL game. We're at the Golden Globes that is about yeah. her uh-huh. and a movie that she put out. We haven't cut to her once. Yeah. That was the that, that was the joke. I, I, I thought it was, I thought they were very unfair with Joe. And I yeah. think that I sympathize with him because I know how hard it is to walk on stage and tell jokes. I look and I, shame on the general public for sitting there and shitting on Joe because you go do it. Yeah, you get ten days. You go up there. You make non-smiling people laugh on right. the spot with not your jokes. Good luck. Well, that's my question: is if they, if Joe knew ten days before, how many other offers had they made out to other people? Because I think nowadays hosting an award show is a job nobody wants. I don't want it. You know, I mean, just like. Because it was always Oscar so white and it has just become hyper scrutinized. And I don't think there's a right way to do it. Had I hosted. Except Ricky Gervais. He's my favorite host. Had I hosted, I would have gone up there and I would have been all positive. Yeah. And I would have been like, you know, uh, oh, my God, you know, Kevin Costner's here. Give him a round of applause. You know, I love every baseball movie. He blah, said, blah, he's blah. my crush. That's yeah, what you uh, Yeah, said. he's my crush. You know, uh, Taylor Swift and, and Travis Kelsey together. What are they making? Superheroes, right? Superhero kids. Uh, that would be like um, Hulk, uh, the Incredible Hulk having sex with Wonder Woman. What kind of superhero <laughs> would they make? I would say, I would do stuff like that. You know, Robert De Niro, you're a, you know, you've been the actor of our generation, uh-huh. but at some point, can you please step down? Cause there's other generations. It would have been all positive. Yeah. Then to blow everybody's mind, I would have said, can we talk? And I would have sat down and I would have said, my parents love you. People love you. People that wake up every day and go to work, love you. And they have a hard life. 
and they're raising children and they're doing the very best they can in life. And you know what they do? They buy a ticket to escape. And you guys all make them escape. And you make them laugh and you make them cry. You tell them a story. You get them out of their life for that hour they go to the movies or that evening they sit down and lay down with their wife to watch a show. Yeah. And you entertain them. Yeah. So right now, stand up and give that audience that is watching you right now and makes all of this possible a round of applause. Here's your first presenter. That's what the fuck I would have done. Yeah. Because I also think they need a reality check. Yeah. And they need to realize that they cannot make movies or TV without the people below the line. They cannot make TV or movies without the men and women that sit in traffic every single day. Yeah. And Margot and Robbie kind of hinted at that in her speech for Barbie. You know, she said, thank you to the people who bought, mo- who bought a movie ticket. You know, Ali Wong said, hey, thank you to my assistants. Right. But, but I think as a whole, as a whole, this celebrity royalty has forgotten that they do not exist without the working people of the world. Yeah. That they do not exist without the, the people below the line. You cannot make a movie or a TV show without the guy that sweeps. You cannot make a movie or a TV show without the guy that takes out the trash. You know, yet you walk around and you act to be, you act like you're so woke and so um, um, uh, all about diversity and you care about the human being, yet you're sitting at this award show not laughing, not having a sense of humor about yourself when 99% of America would love to be sitting at that table. And if they were sitting at that table, they would be smiling and they would feel honored and they would be happy, so excited and so giddy to be sitting there at this award show with all these great talented people. Instead, you're sitting there with a bad attitude, without laughing, without smirking, like you're above us. Well, you are, we are, we are you. Right. Yeah. We, with the, you know, you, the, we are the people that buy your tickets. My, my wife and I, we love going to a movie, getting away from the house, getting away from the kids, sitting down together, holding each other's hand, sharing popcorn and leaving that movie talking about whether we enjoyed it, didn't enjoy it, liked yeah. it, didn't like it. What did we like? We enjoy that. But not if you're going to be smug. Oh, I mean, I, I hear you. I, I think the room in general could have had a better sense of humor. But I, I did but see that's what I would have done. faces. I did see people. I would have sat down and reminded them. Yeah. I would have sat down and reminded them, hey, you're having a good time? Tell your face. <laughs> Be appreciative. Those people that are watching you love you. Yeah. And hey, Kevin Costner, sometimes people buy a ticket because they love you. Not even because of the movie, yeah. not even because of of the trailer. When they hear Kevin Costner's in a movie, they buy a ticket because they love you. Yeah. Hey, Robert De Niro, they love you, man. Yeah. And they buy a ticket to see you act. Oh my God! Did y'all see that clip? I don't. I don't really do TikTok, but the clip of Brie Larson. She's like doing an interview with E News or Extra or something, and she sees J Lo behind her, and J Lo's coming up to do the next interview, and she like has an emotional reaction, like starts crying, and when J Lo comes up to the step, she's like, "Oh my God!" She's like, "I can't right now." She said, 
you are the reason I became an actress. She's like, Selena was the movie that made me fall in love with movies. You inspired me. And it was just like, it was such a cool, sweet moment. It's exactly what you're talking about, but it was, it was really cool to see Brie Larson have that moment. Right. And it's just so scary to think like, you know, Hey, Jennifer, weren't you that kid? Weren't you that little girl, Jenny from the Bronx or the block? (laughs) You know, weren't you that kid? Weren't you that little girl going, I want to make it? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I just want to be there. Right. And, and and now because you've boned everybody in Hollywood. Oh, it's, stop. It's stop, no big deal. Stop. I mean, I don't know. And and I, I just felt for Joe Coy. Um, I thought I thought he did the best he could. Yeah. Um, I also think that if they if they were to let Joe Coy just riff and uh-huh. have a good time. And and kind of be loose. I think he would have been better. Yeah, but the uh, but you're himself. on a major network um, and it's televised, so there are so I mean everything is pre-scripted. I don't think that he deserves any backlash. You know, you can say, well, you know, wasn't that great? Okay, you can say that, but you you, you know to go after him and say, man, he sucked or. Or, he, or he that he was the reason or, the show didn't do well or have poor ratings. Yeah, I'm no, like, no, the Golden Globes has been on a you know. steady, steady decline. Um, with that being said, Rick, what are your thoughts of everything we just talked about? Uh, yeah, like there's not a lot to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you'd have to ask a specific question. I, I, I mean, he's your friend, so I don't want to say anything against that. I, I think where your head goes, as opposed to maybe someone like a Joe Coy, which I don't know. Um, you lead with your heart. And that's what I truly believe was missing was heart. Yeah. It's okay to like, you know, to say something derogatory if there's heart behind it. But like the first thing that he says about the Barbie movie, there was just no heart to it. Well, it was a, it was a, it was a terribly written joke. Uh, agreed. And that's yeah. why I think. Remind me to, again. To what say, was the like, joke? The joke was Oppenheimer was a Pulitzer Prize 700 and page book and Barbie was a movie about big boobies. Oh, right. Yeah, it's a lame joke. Um, and, and I also think that, you know, I don't know. I, I think we, we need, in my opinion, we need in this country, Rick, uh, that was a moment for, that could have been all positivity. I, I, I think that we're, we're living in a world where it's like, especially for the Hollywood elite where they're like, okay, we're going to get shit on again. All right, just come shit on us. And I think that it could have been amazingly positive where he could have said something like Oppenheimer was this, that, and the other. Yeah. And oh my God, what an amazing movie. And Barbie was about dolls and I loved it. And I laughed and I had a good time and it was about people. And I love both movies, right? He could have said that. Yeah. Because Oppenheimer, I'm, you know, I needed another hour from you. Great movie, but I needed another hour. So you can still pop jokes off where it's still positive, right? So I do agree yeah. with that, that, that it was a poorly um, uh, written joke and, and maybe not, because Barbie was a good movie. Yeah. Uh, visually, fun to watch, um, and even even heartfelt. I mean, uh, America Ferreira's storyline was great, you know? Yeah. So go ahead, Rick. Steve. When um when you're doing the pole start, did did you go through rehearsals and do your whole act before? No. They were like, "Hey, you got five minutes up front, and then start bringing people up." I'm like, "Okay." So, 
um, my managers at the time, they're like, do your act. And, and, you know, I made the mistake of listening to them. I should not have done my act, right? I should have gone out there and, but again, I'm glad I did the Polestar Awards that was not in front of the world because if I ever do a show, like I said, I would approach it in a, in, in, in a different way. Well, at the Polestar Awards, the room you're performing for, like you're also performing for industry. people who are, yes, but they're like tour managers and promotion companies and because it's for the live touring industry. Um, so that's the room of people you're performing to. They don't care who Steve Trevino is yeah, or care. what they, your act is. You know, they like, they want to get drunk. They want their award and they, they you know, they, they want to go, right? It's, a, it's, it's an excuse to have a party. Yeah. Right? That's all it is. But, you know, I, I do agree with you, Rick, and and – um, I, that's exactly what I'm saying is that it did lack heart. It lacked the Joe Coy flavor that Joe Coy gives because two things. I think number one, he thought, okay, here's an opportunity where if I kill it and do the right thing, I'll get to do it again. Yeah. Because if you go rogue, then they go, oh, he can't. He's too un unpredictable. He's too unpredictable. Yeah. He went rogue. He didn't do the jokes we wrote. Yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and writers can be big babies too, right? Where the writers are like, you didn't do my joke and I can't work with it. Why did you hire me to write if they're not going to do my joke? And so there's a lot of variables there. But yes, I do agree that that I think it, it lacked that that heart piece, you know, and, and but I'm also all about positivity, right? I am a person that's about, you know, positivity. I, 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 I shit on something with a smile and then I come back and tell you why why I shit on it and why I, I still love my wife. Right. And, <laughs> someone, and, and being a dad or and, something, you know, me, but, but you know, I'm just using that as an example. I, I just think that I think Joe was, was handed a, a, a half a deck of cards and it's hard to get a full house or a straight flush. If you have half a deck of cards, how can you even watch all of the material to know what you're talking about or working with to write your own jokes in 10 days? It's tough, man. And, and, you know, ultimately, I think those shows are old fashioned. I think they feel dated. Yeah. I, I don't think that they feel very, um, very modern. No, or, it's or the exciting. same format. They haven't changed anything about the format, I don't think. And I just think it's old fashioned. And I think that the world is evolving. And I also think the movie star is a, a, a thing of the past. Um, when you have things that are, are breaking the Internet on YouTube, you ask yourself, Man, do we need anything but free television? I mean, it's it's it, things are changing, and I really feel like that format just it. And and again, and I and I mean this by no offense because, you know, I'm a fan of Scorsese and and all that. But it's mm -hmm. every award show is the same people. Yeah, it's it's here's Scorsese and his crew. Here's Will Ferrell. Here's um, uh, what's his name, uh, Jared Leto. It, it's the same. It, here's Nick Cage. It, it, it's the same. Here's Ben Affleck. Here's Matt Damon. It, it, it's literally, it's the same, the same humans doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Right. And 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 it's just getting old, and there needs to be, there needs to be some flavor to it and some excitement, and it's just. It's like terrestrial radio. You ever listen to the radio nowadays and you're like, oh my God, like this feels so 1990. You listen to the radio and they're like, okay, pop quiz. 
You know, we're going to do a little pop quiz here. We're going to find out. Or, the, or yeah. the prank calls in the morning. Yeah, the prank calls and the, the bell. The the bell. What's ding, the ding, bell? ding, ding. They ring the bell. Oh, that was crazy. Uh, you know, and then the girl female host is like, guys, stop it, guys. Y'all are crazy. I can't believe y'all said that. Well, we're crazy. Basically what I do to Be you. Be back after mattress firm. Like, it, but it, it just feels... It feels old fashioned, and it, it and when I listen to terrestrial radio, I go, ugh, yeah, you know. And now for the news, wacky song, and it's yeah. like, eh, you know. So I, I think it also needs to evolve. Um, we don't have a lot of time left. Yeah, I, I don't want to take over everything. Is there anything that you had in mind to talk about? It, it is crunch time for the special. We have like. We are down to the final edit, sending it to color correcting and sound mixing. I have to explain to Renee sometimes because she's like, oh, you get so mad at me. We're we're driving home to go to my godson's birthday party. And then our godson, our son, our godson. But they wanted me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Our godson's birthday party. And Renee goes. Hey. I'm the one who put the party on the calendar, so that's how you need to drive home for it. She goes, just so you know, like, I know you had this vision for the special. I think we're going to have to change it. I go, great. Do what you got to do. Okay. Are you sure that, that we can change it? Yeah, Renee. Do what you got to do. Okay, but, you know, the shots that you wanted to do, they just, they really didn't work. And I'm just letting you know that we're not going to be able. Renee, <laughs> do what you got to do. Oh my God, why are you yelling at me? And I'm like, how many times do I have to tell you? No, because I don't want to hear you tell me later. I told you I wanted it to look like this. I told you from the beginning I wanted cameras placed here because because I was the one who like had the final say and had to give the okay of but, yes, this is where the cameras are going. But I, I yes, told her, I he go, said he will look I go, this wouldn't way, you get upset like, if I was like, hey, are you hungry? And you were like, yes, I'm hungry. Are you sure you're hungry? Yes, I'm sure you're hungry. I mean, come on. Are you sure for sure that you're hungry? I fucking told you four no, times. Listen, I just basically want to cover my ass. So if you do finally watch the special, which you probably won't because that's you don't ever That's a lot of ass to cover, though. Your... I mean, let's be honest. Let's be Shut honest. Up. That's a lot of ass to cover. Shut up. I didn't but want I try you to come night. back later and be like, Renee, I told you this is what I wanted. Because it's my that's my job no. is to make sure that no. what gets put out there no, is no, no, your no. vision. My job is to do the stand-up, and you and Rick are the creators. And directors and producers and I, I, I. Some people are different. I, I believe in letting people do their job, and but and I didn't put you as a director because you're my wife. I did not put you as the director because you're my friend, uh, Rick. I did not make Rick the producer because he's my buddy, and we like to drink whiskey and we we have a lot in common. No, I put the people in play that I believe in, and I know, I trust, and are good at their job. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy ever to Rick where I, you know, where I go to Rick and, and try to do his job. I can't. I don't produce. I don't I don't understand any of it. And I don't direct. And I did not see it from the outside looking in. I was in. Yeah. So I trust you guys to do your jobs. And and I also believe well, that, that being said, I think it looks really good. Well, I have been very successful because I trust people to do their jobs Yeah. and their departments. So. Uh, and then very briefly, just, you know, because I, I did say we would talk about it. Cat Williams broke the freaking internet. Holy shit. Like, I watched that interview. Cat is hilarious. I haven't seen it all. So, 
again to do the same thing we did with Joe Coy. My first experience with Cat Williams. Uh-huh. Uh, we share a very good friend, uh, Barry. Barry is a promoter out in the IE. Do I know I'm, Barry? Uh, Blackberry. I call him Blackberry. <laughs> um, black guy. Like the old phone. Yeah, like the old phone. Like, that's my Blackberry. Uh, he, he calls me Mexican Steve. Uh-huh. Um, but we're very good friends. We've been friends uh, forever. Uh, he would put me on, you know, he would promote all these black shows and he'd always put me on them and I loved it. Um, you know, I, I got to meet and, and become friends with um, all of those black great comics. You know, I have pictures. He sent me a picture the other day of me and Tiffany Haddish on stage together that he had promoted. He was promoting a show for Cat Williams. Uh-huh. I did not know who Cat Williams was. He wanted me to open. I said, no problem. Um, it was at the River Sen- Riverside uh, Amphitheater. Yep. And I get there. I don't know who this guy is. And he says he's 5'5". Five five. Bullshit. I'm 5'5". Five five. He's smaller than me. You're 5'4 and a half. I'm 5'5". Five five. He's, <laughs> he's wearing the biggest belt buckle you've ever seen in your life. He has a female manager with him. Uh-huh. There's maybe 100 people in an 1,800-seater. Oh, Maybe 100. That's painful. Cat, to me, was the sweetest, kindest. Walked in the green room, because I was there early. Walked in the green room, introduced himself, told me to be comfortable. Um, he, He was just complete and total class act. Never seen him before. Mm-hmm. I walk out to the audience because I did my thing and he's going to go up next. Yeah. I sit in the audience and I'm going, oh my God, this is the funniest dude I've ever seen. Hilarious. I mean, just freaking annihilated. When place. was this? Did you say when this was? How long ago it was? I, 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 somebody find out when his HBO special came out because I remember sitting there going, holy shit, this guy's hilarious. Yeah. Then, but I, but I also thought, how can somebody this funny not sell tickets? Yeah. I mean, there was uh, uh, 200 people maybe. Yeah. 2006. So this was 2005. That was his first HBO special? Uh, the Pips Chronicles? I think so. It had to be 2006. What was the date on that? <laughs> September 16th, 2006. September 16th. 2006. Uh-huh. Okay. Literally, six months later, uh-huh. or within a few months, his HBO special hits, and he becomes the biggest comedian in the country at that time. Within, from 200 seats, and nobody coming to a show, to tour buses, arenas, murdering it. Yeah. Ever since after that, I'd run into Cat, always a high five, always a hug. Or zero acknowledgement. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. E- either, either he would see me and be like, hey, Trevino, and hug. Oh, so it wasn't that like, do I recognize, am I pretending I recognize him or oh, I really no, no, no. recognize him? He knew your name. We're friends since then. Yeah. Like every time I would see him, it was Steve, baby, man, <clears> hey, <throat> Steve's funny, you know, and and just giving me love and and hugs and what's up, right? Yeah. But then he'd come around and I'd be like, cat. And 
make eye contact with me, and then act like he didn't even know me. So that was our relationship. I never knew. Does he do drugs? No. According to him, no. I never knew what cat I was going to get. Yeah. I didn't know if I was going to get the cat that recognized me, loved me, acknowledged me, or yeah. the cat that that would almost embarrass me because I'd be like, cat, and he'd just be like. Give you nothing. You know, nothing. I do know that that over time, um, I know for a fact that he's done wildly crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, started a riot at the Ontario Improv because he was three hours late to a show and then walked on stage, laid a carpet out, lit candles and meditated and started a riot. Um, I know that he threatened to fight and kill uh, improv manager. Um, but I also know that he has been extremely generous. I know that he has handed comics hundreds of dollars just because he liked them. Yeah. It's always been very uh, polarizing. polarizing. You know, so either, and that's all I'll say about it, either Cat Williams is an absolute fucking genius promoter and knows how to keep him, him, him himself famous and sell tickets. Yeah. Or he's absolutely out of his mind and he has no idea what he's doing. But we didn't even explain. Or it's a little bit of both. He broke the internet because he did this interview. There's nothing to that explain. Like, There's nothing to explain. Yeah. Everybody knows what he did. He's at like 40 million views in like four days. There's nobody not talking about Cat Williams. So my my take on it is... It's PR? Either he's absolutely genius and knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Or he's crazy, has no idea what he's doing, and his craziness continues to... Work, sell tickets. Yeah. Or he's a little bit of both. Yeah. And as somebody in the comedy world, I will say that a lot of the stuff he said was true. A lot of it. But some of it seems absurd. Some of it was absurd. So you take it however you want to take it. So then so then maybe he is a genius because by saying some absurd stuff, some of the true stuff that maybe people don't want out, they can claim, they can still continue to complain that that wasn't true, that it's absurd. All don't, I know, know is that, that he shit on almost every major black comedian in the country and every major black comedian in the country responded. Uh, you don't get much better press than that. I yeah. mean, it's pretty fucking genius. I wonder um, if other people were in on but it. But I'm just letting my audience know here at Stephen Captain Evil podcast that my experience, yeah. my experience is either he absolutely loves me, acknowledges me, treats me like a king, or he completely ignores me and acts like he doesn't know me. So that's my experience with Cat. Um, I'm glad that you guys joined us at this uh, interview. I was gonna do a whole interview about like calling out all the the Looney Tunes, right, and be like, you don't know, you don't know that Bugs Bunny dressed like a woman. They made him. They made him. He sold out. <laughs> Bugs Bunny dressed like a woman. He sold out. He doesn't even like carrots. You don't even know that. They made Speedy Gonzalez wear a sombrero. Speedy. You don't even know about Speedy. He's a drug addict. Speedy's a drug addict. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yosemite Sam. Everybody thinks he's crazy, but they don't know. That mustache is fake. Yeah, that's a fake mustache. (laughs) He had had mustache implants. (laughs) What's up, Doc? Was stolen from Daffy Duck. Daffy was the one saying, what's up, Doc? And then, of course, Bugs Bunny wanted to be the star, so Bugs Bunny stole what's up, Doc. Uh, you got to film it. Uh, anyway, 
Uh, we got to give it up to our sponsors, of course, Aztec Chevrolet, Aztec Ford and Goliad, Uvalde Chevrolet. Give them a chance. Give them an opportunity. They're absolutely amazing. Pick Cherries. Download the app. It's a fun social media app for podcasting. Uh, Old Salt Coffee, Trevino 10. That'll get you going. Uh, we absolutely love you guys. Rao Western Wear, please give us a chance. You'll love Rao. Uh, I'm trying to think that's it. And our friends at Rebecca Creek, we love you. Steve Trevino here. Thanks, guys. Stay black. Stay black.